Would you join me just for a moment as we pray? God, thanks for the glorious weekend. Thanks for the long weekend. Uh, Father, we've been in the midst of some busy times. I really just pray in these next few moments you just would just give us the clarity of mind, just to dial in, to be able to really hear clearly from you. And, and God, with that, um, you would really speak, and we know that when you speak, things happen, things changed, and we pray for that to take place in the moments ahead. For I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, there was a period a couple years ago, I really went through what I would call a crisis of faith. It wasn't so much a crisis of faith in the sense of, of whether or not I believed in God or whether I knew Jesus was really the Son of God and that Jesus had come to be our Savior and that we experienced eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. It wasn't that kind of a crisis of faith. But, and, and if you attended some of our business meetings, you probably picked up on a little bit of this in, in, in my reports as I was sharing with the body, but I really was going through a crisis of faith whether or not I was really still the person to be the pastor of Hope Chapel. Um, you know, when, when we launched Hope Chapel uh, about 14, a little over 14 years ago, when Christina and I made that commitment, you know, and... And, it was, and this feeling was intensified when we actually were able to secure an agreement to buy this 26 acres of property and all the miraculous stuff that happened as we went through this blitzkrieg of in the process of five months moving from having just an agreement on the property to actually owning it, having designed the facility, having a slab in the ground, and actually starting to build it and finance it in five months. I mean, I just had this sense in my heart that that God wanted to do something pretty extraordinary uh, through Hope Chapel. Not because I was special or anything else, but just, just that, that our region was hungry for something extraordinary to happen in the name of God and because of God. And, and, and so all the way along, I've just had this conviction that, that God really wants to change our region, change northern Worcester County because of the things that he does through Hope Chapel. And yet, there was a time a couple of years ago where I really didn't feel like that was happening anymore. And I was really struggling with whether or not I was the person to serve as the pastor of Hope Chapel and to see if that was going to happen. And there were a couple of things that were, were speaking to me. One of the things that was communicating to me was that I, really my effectiveness at inspiring people to go to the second mile was diminishing. You can do church by just people going the first mile. You can't have an extraordinary impact on our region if people don't go the second mile. And so we were, you know, we, 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 I, I was able, and through our networks, I was able to stimulate enough people to just get the regular stuff done every week. We managed to be able to fill all the children's slots every week. But in terms of really being in a position to go to the second mile, I, I, I wasn't having that kind of impact anymore. And, and that really began to speak to me as to whether or not I was really the right person to be here anymore. Second factor that was kind of weighing into this was increasingly our conversation became about how we were doing what we were doing. You know, how were we going to manage this and how were we going to manage that? And I know there's a place for all of that, but I just didn't seem to have the ability to transform the conversation to a place where we're saying, what are we going to do? to have an extraordinary impact on our region. We kept wanting to talk about how we were doing what we were already doing, but 
getting around to a place where we could actually create some airtime to seriously think and pray and, and, and open ourselves up to God as to what, what God could do through us to impact our region, I was having a hard time pushing that onto the table with a lot of different networks in the life of our church. And the third one was that we were just flat out plateaued. People were going out the back door as fast as they were coming in the front door, and we were just flat in our attendance. And it didn't seem to make much difference how hard I preached or what I preached on or what we did or whatever. We were just kind of there. So, so I, I, just, I just had this feeling that, that maybe I wasn't the guy anymore. And I really went through some real soul-searching journey. To be transparent with you, there was actually a time when when a role came up that in an earlier phase of my ministry, I, I really, w- w- really felt strongly that, that I could serve in that role, that I should serve in that role, that I had a lot to offer to that role, and, and I applied for that role. First time ever in my ministry journey I ever applied for a position. I've always been asked to take a role, but I've never applied for a role. And, and I did that, and, and, and God just didn't release me from Hope Chapel. One, I... I I wasn't really even sure that I wanted to leave, so my heart wasn't really in it. Spoke to the chairman who was leading up the team afterwards, and he told me, he said, you really kind of talked yourself out of the job and some other things. And, 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 and so God left me here. And so it's really been an interesting journey for me these last 12 to, 12, to, to 18 months is, is I really have, have worked through all that's been kind of happening. And and here's the thing that, that hasn't changed. I, I, the, the sense that God wants to do something more is as strong in me today as it was when we launched Hope Chapel back in April of 2002. It, it, it's as strong in me today as it was the first day we opened up in February of 2006 inside of this facility. You know, it, that that God wants to do something special. There's this sense as, as, as I pray, as I meet with staff and with leadership, as I study the word, there's just always this sense that there's got to be more. There, there should be more. There, there's going to be more. And we need to somehow find a way to let God do more through us. And, and really the product of all of that journey over these last 18 months is is a series that you're going to get in the month of September. And it's not just a series for us to kind of look at and then set aside and we'll move on to the next one, but, but I, I really pray that what we talk about over the next four weeks will shape the life of Hope Chapel going forward. It will shape the expectation. It will shape what our desire is. It will shape where our hearts are going not only for the rest of 2016, but all of 2017 and moving on. And and the theme is above and beyond. It's not a phrase that comes directly from me. I didn't make it up. It comes right out of the scriptures. Let me read Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21 for you. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Paul, and I'm going to back up a little bit and look at this, but Paul concludes a prayer that he's written for the Ephesians with these words. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that you ask or think, according to the power that works in you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, some translations, instead of using the words above and beyond, will use the word exceedingly abundantly. 
but we didn't think that would look as good on a t-shirt. I'm just teasing. Some translations have the phrase, he's able to do more, much, much more than you can even ask or think. But we settled in on above and beyond. In fact, I'd love for you to say that passage of Scripture with me. And um, I think it's going to come up on the screen. Do we have it on the screen? Would you, would you just say this verse together with me? Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the work power that works in you. Be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to challenge you to memorize that passage this month. Just two verses. Kind of flows, so it shouldn't be that hard. I don't care what translation you do it in. You, you can, you can, you can uh, memorize it in Kenny Rwandan if you want to. I'll f- try to find that translation for you. But you may just want to start, stick, stick with English, right? The NIV, the NAS, you know, the Contemporary English Version or the Holman Christian Standard Bible Version as we have in there. Now, this is a, a, a great passage. It, it sticks smack dab in the middle of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, church that he was deeply committed to, deeply involved with. He had been their planting pastor. He had served there for three years. He had been back and forth with them on a number of occasions, and, and they had a special place in his heart, so much so that when he was traveling to Jerusalem towards the end of his life, he knew that if he went to Ephesus, he might never get away from there because he'd feel so much at home with them. He, he sailed by them and said, you guys come visit me down here because I'm afraid if I go there, I'm going to land up stuck there. And, and as he gets to the end of this prayer, he breaks out in a doxology. And, and that's probably not a word that you use a lot, right? And we sing the doxology, and we're not referring to a piece of music that some churches sing regularly in their services. But, but, but a doxology is a, is a statement of celebration. It is, it is a way in which you just express your amazement, your, your admiration, your wonder at what God does. And, and, and Paul here is working through a section where, first of all, he's been marveling at the incredible thing that God did to make him an apostle. He had been a persecutor of the church, somebody who hated Christ, somebody who was, was committed to making sure that the name of Christ was stamped out on the planet, And God turned it all around, and through Jesus Christ, turned Paul into an apostle. And and Paul was, he was speechless. But on top of that, he had chosen him (laughs) to become the one who would announce to all the non-Hebrew world, they call that the Gentile world, he'd say, you know what, you guys now get to be a part of the covenant with the rest of us, and you can do that through Jesus Christ. And he's talking to the Ephesians about the way that God has now extended the privilege of being a part of the family of God to all nations through faith in Jesus Christ, not just to the Jews. And, and, and so he is just, and then he, and he launches into this prayer out of that. He says, you know what? And my prayer for you is that you're going to know the full magnitude of the love of God and that inside of you, the fullness of God is actually going to come to take residence. And those are are, are, again, mind-boggling kinds of prayer requests. You know, his imagery about the love of Christ, I mean, it's hard to imagine it, but imagine if you were in a, in a boat. Let's make it a big boat because of where I'm going to put it. So you're, you're on, a, on a big boat, and you are out in the deepest part of the ocean where the, the ocean floor is miles below you. 
and it's a crystal clear night, and you're standing out in the deck of the boat, and you're looking up, and, and even the faintest star that you can barely sing it, see its twinkle because it's the farthest away from you that it possibly can, and you think about how deep the ocean floor is down below you, and as far out as you can see on the horizon in 360 degrees, and God's saying, my love's bigger than that for you, and I want you to experience every single ounce of it. It's a big prayer request. And then he says, I want you to take the God who is omnipresent, and I want you to feel all of them on the inside. That's a big prayer request. And then all of that, there's a spark that sets off in Paul. And that's what leads to the doxology. The doxology always has a spark. There's a a match that lights the flame. And you can see that in Jude and some other places. But here, what sets Paul off, right, is is the, the magnitude, the wonder of what God's power can do in his people. Man, to him who's able to do beyond what we can even ask, what we can even imagine, the grandest schemes, God's able to do more of that, and he can do that according to the power that's at work in you and in me. And that's the spark, and, and, and there's always a spark with the doxologies. I mean, you know, um, uh, you know the, 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 what, what makes Paul jump out of his seat in celebration of God in this doxology is God's power. Some of you, like me, probably when Malcolm Butler stepped in front of that pass, you know, in the Super Bowl and caught the interception. Some of you probably had a hard time staying in your seats. You just kind of jumped up, yeah, you know, kind of idea and, and that kind of thing because you didn't want to go through another off-season of, of missed opportunity. You know, and, you, and what, what this thing this makes you just over, just react in joy and celebration and amazement or whatever. And I'm sure the same kind of feeling occurred when people picked up the newspaper or turned on the radio and for the first time they heard, you know, World War II is over. You know, that sense of celebration that goes on. It's an incredible thing. What drives Paul out of his seat, and he's offering this, this incredible message of adoration to God is God's power that's at work in you and in me. And the outcome of that power is that God gets glory in the church, and that glory then gets attributed to Christ, which gets attributed to the Father. So I... I I want to just point out some basic truths from this passage of Scripture for us. This, these, aren't, these, aren't, um, these, aren't, these points aren't, didn't take a lot of, a lot of extra uh, behind-the-scenes kind of study. They just leap right out from the text to us. And here's the first point. God desires for his glory to be on display. Let me put it this way. God loves, in a very good way, to be a show-off. He does. God wants his glory to be on display. He's incredible. He knows he's incredible, and it is in his nature to reveal himself, and he wants that revelation to create a sense of admiration, a sense of celebration, a sense of being honored, his name being glorified so people are drawn to him and experience what he can give. God loves for his glory to be on display. He doesn't want it tucked away, hidden. He wants his glory to be on display. It is the nature of God to reveal himself in such a way that we see his glory. 
So much so that in the book of 1 Peter, when they're looking at how God is displaying his glory through the activity of Christ, he actually describes the angels as looking over the edges of heaven saying, I don't want to miss a single second of how the glory of God is being unfolded through the grace that's in Jesus Christ. I mean, they're mesmerized, and they're angels, but they're mesmerized, right? They're binge-watching, right? You know, the, the glory of God. The second truth is this. God's desire is for his glory to be on display in the church. God's desire is for his glory to be displayed through the church. Now, that's the universal church. It's also the local expressions of God's church, of which Hope Chapel is one of those. God's desire is for his glory to be on display through Hope Chapel, through all churches. It's not about us. It's not about what we like. It's not, it's not how clever we look to our community. What goes on in the life of the church is for God's glory to be on display through the church. The church is to be a reflector of the glory of God. You know how the moon reflects the sunlight at night? You know, when you get a full moon and it's in the right position, it's bright. I mean, there are times when, when we're outside in, in, our, in our hot tub in, in our backyard, and, 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 and you can just see the entire backyard almost like it's daylight because it's such a, a bright reflection of the glory of God. The two major things in the world that God wants to use to reflect his glory is one is nature and the other is his people. His nature and his people. The beauty of, you know, some of you were probably watching images as the hurricane, right, swept onto the beaches of Florida, right, and just the, the incredible awe that is inspired by the power of ocean waves as they hit the shore, right? It's just, it's just amazing, right? Or just the, how mesmerizing a crystal clear blue sky can be, right? You can just look at it, and it's just amazing. God reflects his glory through nature, and God wants to reflect his glory through the church, through us as his people. God desires to show his glory through the church. The way God does that, God desires for his glory to be on display in the church by doing above and beyond what he's ever done before. God wants to display his glory through the church by doing above and beyond what he's ever done before. I'm not talking about offering a new way of salvation and that kind of stuff. That's, that's not the point. The point is, you know, as, as, as Paul's unrolling this message, right, and he's telling the, guy, the, the Ephesians church, these people he's deeply in love with, he says, you know what, when I stop and, and, and I am just amazed every single day about how God's changed me, I, I'm amazed every single day at how God has changed your eternal future. I'm amazed that God can answer these kinds of prayer requests that I'm making for you, that these can actually come to pass. And this is the God who loves to do stuff that we can't even imagine or even have enough boldness in our faith to even ask for. That's the kind of God we serve. And and God wants to display his glory in the church for Christ Jesus by doing above and beyond anything that we've asked. Or thought. And it is accepting that reality that this is the truth that God is showing to us that's going to spur us to be the kind of people who open ourselves up to God so that we can do extraordinary 
because God's glory is on display rather than just doing the ordinary. This is something we need to have a sense deep in our heart that must happen. It can happen. It, it, it's, it's, it's rooted into the purposes and the plan and the activity of God. And if this above and beyond kind of stuff just isn't happening, it's because we're not in sync with what God's saying and doing in the church. So as I think about you know, where we're going as a church in 2016 and 2017. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, I don't, I don't do this very often, but when I, when I, um, I did some research and I, you know, on uh, a way this passage has been used, this passage has been used in some other sermons and guys have connected it to prayer initiatives that they were doing in their churches and this and that. And, and I remember reading one passage where the, the guy was, was specifically connecting it with the fact that they were launching a third service. And this is back in the 80s, right? And a guy who's really kind of stayed kind of guy. Some of you guys read him a lot. John Piper, he's talking, you know, we're praying for this service on Saturday night to have 300, this one to have, in the morning to have 400, this one to have 500. And being very, I don't have those kind of specific plans for you, you know? I, you know, I, I don't, I think we're going to get there. I think I want to do this together. I don't want to be Moses coming down from the mountaintop saying, I got the tablets, here's, here's where we're going. Because I think God wants to speak through the whole body. But I got to tell you, if it's not having an impact on the poverty level in our region, we're not doing the right thing. If it's not changing the culture of marriage in our churches and in our communities, we're not doing the right kinds of things. If it's, not, if it's not rolling back the lostness and bringing people into the body, we're, we're, we're not doing the right kinds of things. We're, we're not opened up to what God wants to do. If we're, if we're not having an impact on, on the addiction levels and the, and the opioid crisis and all that, we're, we're not doing the right kinds of things. There, there's ways in which we need to be engaging our world with the good news of Jesus Christ, with the light, with this power that's within us that can do above and beyond all that we can think or imagine. This same Holy Spirit that brought us into the family of God is working in us every single moment of every single day saying, I don't want to do ordinary. I don't want to do ordinary. See, above and beyond happens by the exact same power that's at work in all of us, and that's the Holy Spirit. And it's that same Holy Spirit that brought us out of that convicted us that we were living in darkness, as Paul testified to you a minute ago, as he was lowered into the water, he's testified, you know, I, I was living, I was alive, but I was really dead. And the Holy Spirit brings a conviction to that, and, and, and the Spirit drew him into the grace that's in Jesus Christ, and he experienced new life, and that new life is administered, applied to our lives by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. God lives within us, and it's that presence that says, I don't want to do ordinary. I want to do extraordinary. So it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing. So here, here's the question I want to ask you this morning. See, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've got the Holy Spirit living within you because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, th there is this voice, there is this activity of God that's saying, there's more. There's more. You know, that's why Jesus said, I want you to hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's more. Ask, and then you're going to find. Because there's more. Seek, and you're going to... Because, you know, ask, and you're going to receive. Seek, and you're going to find. There we go. I get my metaphors, right? Right? You have knock and open up. Because there's more. 
There's more, there's more for our lives. There's more power. There's more purpose. There's more healing. There's more strength. There's more wisdom. There, there's, there's more for us as individuals and as a church. And so the question I really have for you today is, can you feel it? Can you feel it? In your spiritual journey, can you feel, can you sense, do you know that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, there's more? There's more. Don't settle for the stuff. you. There's more. There's more power. There's more strength. There's more healing. There's more joy. There's more peace. There's more that you can give. There's more that you can do. There's more impact that you can have on others. There's more that we can be doing. Do you feel it? Can you feel the Spirit of God speaking to you? The Spirit that Paul says dwells in every single one of us, and his intent is to glorify God through believers in the church because he's doing stuff that can't be explained in any other way but by the movement of God. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? And so that's what my title is in, that's what my sermon is entitled today. You know, when I was in seminary, they always said, get your title out in the first paragraph. So I waited for the last paragraph. So you can tell how I did in preaching class. Can you feel it? Do you feel the Spirit of God speaking in your life saying, you've settled. Don't do that anymore. There's more. There's more. There is more for you. I want to ask you to make a commitment. And, and we're going to bring this up on the screen so you can see it in writing. I'm going to give you a minute, so a, a prayerful minute or two to think about whether or not you can really honestly make this commitment and then we'll have a, 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 a time where we can acknowledge that in one way or another. But, but I'm challenging, I'm asking you today as a congregation that to make a commitment to being open to God's above and beyond by doing three things. One, letting the Holy Spirit create a yearning in you for more. First commitment I'm asking you to make is just say, you know what, when, when, I, when I sense God saying inside of me, there's more. I'm not going to repress that. I'm not going to change the channel. I'm not going to push it aside, but I'm going to let God cultivate in my life a yearning for more. I don't care if you're 12 or you're 112. You know, more for us may look differently, but there's more for us because God has never done working at us. And so will you make a commitment to let the Holy Spirit create in you a yearning for more? Second commitment I'm asking you to make, and again, this is a bad way to phrase it, but it was the best way for me, to make sure that you and I are not guilty of not having the more because we didn't ask for the more. I'm challenging you, I'm challenging me, not just to ask God for the small stuff, but to ask God for the big stuff in our lives personally, in our life as a church that we won't be guilty of not having the more because we never asked for the more. I'm asking you to make that commitment with me today. And then third, I'm asking you to make a commitment to keep asking God to display his glory. The extraordinary, the stuff that can only be attributed to the activity of God, asking God to display his glory in and through Hope Chapel. Those are the three things I'm asking you to do today. And um, 
I'm going to ask Henry Farino uh, to come to the pulpit. He's just going to play some background music so you won't hear the people shifting next to you or whatever. And I just want to give you, a, you know, 60, 90, 120 seconds just to, to soak it in and, 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 and say, you know what, this is something I need for me, and this is something I know that's right for Hope Chapel and that you're willing to make this commitment. Would you just bow for me for a moment? And, you know, God, we're in this place where we need to listen to you. God, you know, th- this isn't about emotional reactions or any of that kind of stuff. It's not about getting revved up and our spiritual adrenaline's going and it's going to be distracted by 2 o'clock this afternoon when we hit the beach or we burn the burgers on the, on the grill. But God, this is something that drives deep to the core of who we know we're supposed to be, the things that we're supposed to be about, the things, Father, that you want to do in us. And God, whether we're really willing to make a commitment. So God, in these moments... Help us, help us to kind of distinguish between the wheat and the chaff. What, what, is this really a commitment we can make? So God, speak to our hearts as we consider this commitment today.